0: So this is uh, our once a year kind of family sermon, which is or service, where everybody kind of comes in together. We don't have the kids program, and it's for a couple reasons. One is we want to just give volunteers uh, kind of that one Sunday a year where they don't have to plan kind of the whole kids city that happens every Sunday and be able to be with us. So if you're a, a volunteer in the kids area, would you just stand so that we could kind of see who you are? I can't remember the exact statistics, but it's something crazy like 50 or 60 people a week and, I don't know, 200 a month or something like that uh, that work in the kids' ministry. So give or take a dozen or two. Um, But so it's kind of a cool thing that way. Now, if you're a kid that normally goes to Antioch Kids, why don't you stand real quick? You have to stand really tall. All right, so this, um, you're, you're going to be glad to hear, this is a kid-friendly sermon, which, which simply means this, because I, I don't normally preach to kids, so all I know how to do is just add candy to a sermon. <laughs> and sermon plus candy um, is a kid's friendly sermon, right? Um, so we're going to talk about transubstantiation with candy. Um, I'm just kidding. Um, but, uh, but I do have candy. And, uh, and so we'll see how we can, we can do with that. So real quickly, because I've been asked a couple times this morning just about money, church money, finances. We've talked about it uh, for several weeks, just kind of where we need to be at the end of the year with year-end giving. Um, and here's the cool thing. Uh, the church has been un. Unbelievably generous, unbelievably generous, and it's been fun to kind of watch through online giving, last week's offering, in a lot of different ways, stock giving, uh, and other things, how money has come in, and we're only about, between now and um, Wednesday, about 30 grand away from being where we need to be in a really good position going into next year, which is unbelievable if you had seen where we were uh, in November. So that's an incredible kind of God story, Um, I thought about it a little bit, and if I had more faith, I, I would think that we should have money problems all the time um, because it's actually a really cool thing to see the church pull together um, and kind of meet needs that way and do it in so many cool, uh, unspoken little ways. Um, I'm not a man of a lot of faith, so, um, so I, I, yeah, I, I quickly passed by that thought. Um, that we should always have money problems. Um, But yeah, so thank you for your generosity. And then between now and Wednesday, we're still trying to bring in about another 30 grand to set us up uh, with enough cash on hand for next year um, to be able to make it um, through the spring months. So uh, please be praying about that, thinking about that. And then anything by midnight on December 31st, if it comes into the office or uh, Kip's going to be at Midnight at the office, if you want to drive it there. Um, Or you can do it online, which is a lot easier, but we can make it a tax-deductible donation for this calendar year if we get it by midnight uh, on December 31st. So what we're doing today, we're going to move fast. We are talking about the story of David, and specifically something I've been chewing on for a long time, which is this idea of timing in the Christian life. Uh, what does timing look like in the Christian life? Kind of a strange topic, but I think you'll see where I'm going a little bit here. So turn, if you would, to 1 Samuel. And 1 Samuel is where we get into kind of the age of the kings in the nation of Israel. It's after the book of Judges and Ruth. And then we get to 1 Samuel. Now, does anyone know out there who the first king of, of Israel was? Anybody? You've got to raise your hand. And you have to be a kid. So, there's like a bunch of adults over here that night, like, like now and later. Um, king Saul? All right, right right there, Jude. You're right, you guys, he's low. Almost hit him in the eye. All right, we're going we're gonna to get a little better at this as we go. So King Saul is the first king, and there's something really interesting about King Saul. Uh, does anyone know? kind of what the defining characteristics of Saul were. Anybody know what the defining characteristics of Saul were? Like what made Saul really cool? Anybody? Raise your hand. Back there. Yeah. Big and strong. Okay, so Ooh, short. Oh. Um, so Saul was big and strong. So Um, He goes up and he finds Saul, and Saul was a head shoulder, it it talks about in chapter 8 and chapter 9, a head shoulder, uh, a head head taller, head and shoulders taller. Okay, so a head taller than all his other companions and was strong. So basically, if you were to look at a bunch of guys and say, "Who uh, who do you want to lead you into battle? You'd look at this guy and say, we want him, he's big and he's strong. He's, big, he's 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 the baddest dude around. He's probably the bully of everybody else in in the the playground back in those days. They had playgrounds. And Saul was the big guy. So then we turn on and we get to chapter um, We get to chapter sixteen. Chapter sixteen, and Samuel the prophet is going to anoint David to be king. So here's the story, and we're going to read it together. So Samuel, chapter sixteen. And for some reason, Saul has been a bad king. Um, he goes into battle and he gets really impatient. And the, the, the kind of defining thing that makes God really angry with Saul is that he's worried about the battle, and Samuel is always supposed to come and pray to God and offer a sacrifice that God would be with the armies. And so there's this one time when Saul is fighting, and his guys are beginning to get afraid, and he's ready to fight before too many of his guys run away, and they're kind of waiting and waiting, and people begin to leave, and Saul thinks, oh my gosh, what's going to happen? We have to act now. Has anybody ever felt like you have to act now on anything? I mean, that's a pretty urgent kind of gripping feeling. And so Saul goes, we've got to act now, so what does Saul do? Anyone know? Raise your hand. Right, right, right there. You're giving him the answer, I take it, right? It's okay. So what does Saul Saul do? Okay. He does the sacrifice. I want that candy back. Um, After the service, you can... um, Just kidding. So Saul, Saul ends up doing the sacrifice, which he's not supposed to do. He's a man of war. He's got blood on his hands. He's the king. He fights battles. He's not the prophet that's supposed to, to do the blessing and to pray to God. But Saul does it himself because he's, he's really worried about controlling things. And he's not going to wait on the Lord. He's not going to be patient. So God, uh, God ends up sending Samuel to say, because you've done this, I'm going to take the kingdom away from you. And you want to know what Saul's response was? Instead of being really sorry, Saul goes, Hey, can you not maybe tell my my soldiers that I just got fired? Can you maybe not share that with them? Because I'm worried about how I look. Because I'm big and I'm strong and they respect me and I don't want that to change. And it shows that Saul's whole focus was on always trying to control things. To control the moment, to control the situation, and to do it now. And God says, I'm going to find a new king. So in Samuel chapter 16, he now goes, Samuel the prophet now goes, and he's going to anoint David. So he goes to uh, the house of Jesse, and he calls out for Jesse's sons to be lined up. And then uh, the Lord says to Samuel this, which is really interesting. He says to him, now when you look at Jesse's sons, verse 7, chapter 16, verse 7, do not consider his appearance or his height. Now what was great about Saul? Wait, wait, I'm trying not to hurt people. I, I played baseball. Um, I can do better. All right. Um, what was great about Saul again? He's big. And then, and then God says, but don't, don't look at the exterior. Don't look at how tall he is. Don't look at his appearance, which is really interesting. This is completely different from when Samuel anointed Saul. And so he goes and God says, now don't look at him because I, God, consider the heart. The Lord looks at the heart. And We see that all over in Scripture. 1 Chronicles 28.9, David, when he's eventually talking to his son Solomon, says, Don't you know that the Lord searches all hearts? And then in 1 Kings 8.39, Solomon includes that in his prayer of devotion. Acts 1.24, when Jesus' disciples go to replace Judas, they say this, Knowing God that you know the hearts of all, And so there's this kind of idea that begins to come in here now for the first time that God really looks at what's on the inside. That what makes a person special or unique or beautiful is not the external, but what's on the inside. And so this is fascinating. So then all the sons line up and they pass before Samuel. And Samuel says, it's none of these. And then in verse 11, he says, are are these all the sons that you have? And then Jesse says, there's still the youngest, and that word in Hebrew can also be translated smallest. And, and he's tending the sheep. He's a shepherd. And so Samuel says, send for him, and we're not going to sit down until he arrives. And so verse 12, they sent for him and brought him in, and he was ruddy with a fine appearance and handsome features. So you got a small guy who's ruddy, handsome with fine features. So just think kip. Okay? <laughs> So Kip, Kip comes in from tending the sheep, and this is, what, this is what happens. The Lord says, rise and anoint him. He's the one. Um, it's, it's like this is where um, in the Matrix trilogy they got that phrase, he's the one. Um, I just can't get Keanu Reeves out of my mind. <laughs> it's, it's burned in there. Sorry. Um, He's the one. So Samuel took the horn of oil and anointed him in the presence of his brothers. And from that day on, the Spirit of the Lord came upon David in power. And so David gets anointed to be what? Raise your hand. I I already tried to throw one to you. All right, over here. Tell me first, because I I know what happens if I throw it and then you don't know the answer. He gets anointed to be king. That's right. Uh. All right, so listen to what um, the Bible dictionary says about anointing. Besides being used as a medicinal for the sick, for relief from bodily ailments, weariness, and irritation, the act of anointing was significant of consecration to a holy or sacred use. The oil was a symbol of the Holy Spirit, and as applied to things, gave them a ceremonial sacredness, fitting them for holy ministrations. It marked their consecration to the office and was a symbol of the spiritual qualification divinely imparted for its due discharge, anointing a king was equivalent to crowning him. So as David is being anointed with this oil on his head, okay, as he's being anointed with this oil, it's equivalent in some sense to crowning him king. But who's the king? Saul's the king. So this is a really interesting thing, isn't it? What would you think if you were David and you'd just been anointed king By the prophet of the Lord. I would kind of think, when do I get to start telling people what to do? (laughs) Just, I don't know, just me. Um, But there is a king right now, and it's Saul. And so what's really interesting is when uh, when Samuel is told by the Lord to go anoint a new king, you know what he says? He says this, verse 2 in chapter 16. How can I go? Saul will hear about it and kill me. What kind of king is Saul? Raise your hand. Raise your hand. Okay, I, someone back there that can catch this. But tell me first, what kind of king is Saul? Evil? What was that? Evil. Okay, that works. Bad, bad king. Um, and, uh, we need more lights. It's it's like the outfielder (laughs) that lost it in the lights. Hit me in the face. Um, okay, so Saul's a bad king, um, and, and the prophet of God is actually afraid of him. If I go and do this, he's going to kill me. If I go, um, anoint or, or a kind of replace or crown another king, he's gonna kill me. So a lot happens now. David goes and he ends up being in the king's court. He ends up being around Saul. And it's actually ends up 14 years from this time that he was anointed to be king before he actually becomes king. And during that 14 years, do you know there's a long period where Saul is trying to kill David. So Saul is running around chasing David and David is running from Saul the whole time, hiding for his life. It got so bad that at one place, in one point, David crosses over into to another person's land, the Philistines. Um, the the like arch enemy of David. And he pretends to be a madman. He pretends to be crazy and he drools on himself. And he doesn't wash his hair. And he does all sorts of crazy things so that they'll leave him alone thinking that he's a madman. Okay, it gets that bad, and so as he's running from Saul, something really interesting happens. So turn with me in your Bible to chapter twenty-four. Chapter twenty-four. Saul is chasing David, and they come to this place, and this is really interesting because this is in the Bible. Um, Saul goes into a cave because he has to go to the bathroom. It's in the Bible. Um, And he goes in to go to the bathroom and it's in a cave and it's dark and there he is. And guess who's hiding in the back of the cave? Anyone want to guess? Raise your hand. Somebody over here. Who's in the back of the cave? Who? David. David David and his men are in the back of the cave. And when you're in the back of the cave, it's really bright. True or false? False. False. So they're in the back of the cave and it's really what? Dark. And so because it's really dark, there's Saul and Saul's going to the bathroom. But he doesn't know that he's being watched. Anyone like being watched when you go to the bathroom? No. Um, That's why he's in a cave because he thinks there's nobody in there. But David's actually in there. So what David does is he creeps up on Saul. And what could David have done because Saul didn't know he was there? What could David have done? He could have killed him. He could have ended this whole thing right there. He's the king. This guy's trying to kill him. He could have killed Saul. And then at that point, he would have been king. Or he would have been able to start leading the nation of Israel. So he creeps up. And what he does is he cuts a part of Saul's robe, long robes, um, because it's cold and, and all that kind of stuff. And he cuts a little piece, a little square out of Saul's robe. And then when Saul leaves, David ends up coming to the head of the cave and yells at him. And he says, look at what I took from your robe. I took this. I cut this from your robe. I could have killed you. Can't you now see that I'm not trying to harm you, that I'm not a bad guy, um, that I want what's best for everybody? And and he kind of shows this to Saul. And Saul looks at his robe, and there's a piece missing. And he realizes that David could have killed him. Um, and so David's men are mad at David because what do you think they wanted David to do? They wanted David to kill him and, and, and become king. And so David doesn't do it. And what he ends up saying in chapter 24 is, how can I raise my hand against God's anointed? How can I raise my hand against God's anointed? It's not for me to take matters into my own hands and to force the issue. It's not for me to kill Saul. Now, is this radically different than the kind of behavior that Saul showed when Saul was hard pressed and he took matters into his own hand and tried to control everything? And so we begin to see something really different about David from what Saul did in his life. And so we see one more time when. David again spares Saul's life. And this time he goes up in the camp and, and, and Saul is sleeping and he's got a spear stuck in the ground. And, and David's guys are like, you got to kill him this time. we got to put an end to this. And so he goes up and instead of doing that, he takes the sword, uh, I'm sorry, he takes the spear and he, and he runs away with it. And then the next day when Saul wakes up, he shows him, don't I have your spear? I could have killed you, but I didn't. And David's men are mad with him. And they say, "Um, why didn't you kill him? And David says, it's not for me to raise my hand against God's anointed. He says this, um, chapter 26, verse 10. As surely as the Lord lives, the Lord himself will strike Saul down. Either his time will come, which means he'll die naturally, um, or he will go into battle and perish. So, I don't have to force the issue. I don't have to kill Saul. I can trust God. I can follow God. I can wait for God to take care of this himself in his own timing. It's not for me to force the issue. So here's kind of the question that that I have with regard to this. Um, When we in our Christian life begin to think about timing... Maybe God's will for our life is to wait on God's timing in our life. We're always so focused on praying, God, what are you doing right now? What, what can you do to fix these situations? God, what can you do to get me out of these situations? God, why aren't you working? And, and we don't often, I think, trust that God sometimes does things through time or that at his appointed time, He's going to choose to move. And so what we see with David is this real submissive and humble and faithful approach to saying, I'm going to wait on the Lord to do what he's going to do in his own time. Now, David was king from what point? Raise your hand. When did David become king? Duck. Perfect. When did David become king? I forgot to When he was chosen by God, when he was anointed. When did David start ruling as king? When? 14 years, good memory. Um, I don't even remember the names of people I met this morning. Um, 14 years later. I don't know about you, but if God promises something to me now, I kind of start wanting to count it right now. I don't know that I really have the thought that um, God promised me something now, but I might have to wait 14 years, hide in caves for my life, and pretend to be a madman, all as part of getting to the point where God is going to bring about what he promised 14 years earlier to do in my life. And so the question for me this morning is really whether you're a kid, whether you're a college student in college, whether you're a single person, whether you're someone who's married, whether you're struggling with having kids or not, the job that you're looking for, the house you want to buy, the illness that you're in, the things that we pray for that God has either spoken into, is speaking into, or will speak into, Are we willing to say that God's will for our life might be for us to wait for God's timing in our life? Um, That's the thing I would like for us to wrestle with today. We're going to have a special treat now. Um, Linda Van Voorst is going to come up and teach us a Bible verse around kind of this whole story of David. It's a psalm. But I have five really big um, candy things left. Um, that I have to get rid of so I'm going to ask trivia real quickly on Linda Van Voorst and then you can earn these who knows what Linda's husband's name is Uh, oh who knows what Linda these ones hurt Uh, who who knows what what Linda's um, son's name is I already did one there All right, all the way back here, I don't know who's going to get it, but um, who can name somebody else that works in kids' ministry? Um, Angie Angie Cole. All right, be careful. Here it comes. Oh, all right. Two more. One more person that works in kids' ministry. All the way back here. (laughs) All right, um, I'm going to throw one back here. Whoever catches it can have it. There we go. All right. Um, okay. Um, Linda's going to teach us a Bible verse. And then, um, and then uh, I'm going to fire myself from doing kids' sermons. And then after that, we're going to do the offering this morning. Um, so here is Linda and Brooklyn.
1: Hi, guys. Okay, so first, if you got a candy, look at it and tell me what kind of candy you got. Now and laters. Now, what did we just learn? We learned about a man named David who had to wait for something that he thought might happen now, but it actually happened a lot later, Later, right? So as you're eating your candy, remember that God keeps his promises even when they don't happen right now. Just like David taught us. Now and laters. Okay, so while David was waiting, how many years? Wait, how many years? Yeah, he waited 14 years, and while he was waiting, he wrote a bunch of verses, and they're found in a book of the Bible. Do you know what book? I'll give you a hint. It starts with... Psss, silent P. p. <laughs> silent P. Yeah, silent p. Yeah. P. And, yeah, they're found in the book of Psalms. Now, there's a Bible verse in Psalm 33, 20 through 21, and we want to teach it to you. Yeah. Now, we came up with a bunch of motions, right, Brooklyn? Totally. I came up with them, too. Yeah, so we yeah. came up with these motions, and we'd love it if everybody stood up. Because we're going to teach you the motions and teach you these two verses. Yeah. Because while David w- was waiting, he wrote these verses, and we think they're pretty awesome. I'm going to read it to you, then we're going to work on the motions in little chunks and put it together, and I'll bet you in five minutes you'll know this whole yeah. verse, okay? Maybe four, even. Maybe four, even. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so the memory verse says, we wait in hope for the Lord. He helps us. He is like a shield that keeps us safe. Our hearts are full of joy because of him. We trust in him because he is holy. Okay, so let's learn some motions. Brooklyn and I, we both know these motions pretty well, and we'd love to teach them to you. So first, when we wait, do we often look at watches? Mm -hmm. So we're going to say, we wait. Can you point to a watch? We wait in hope. So the sign language, sign for hope. You make two Vs with your hand, and you bring it up, like your hope is going up. So we wait in hope for the lord up for the lord so we wait in hope for the lord he helps it's really nice when people help us right yeah he helps up. us we wait in hope for the lord he helps us okay now if you're going into battle and you have to hold a shield mm-hmm. he says he is like a shield he is like a shield that keeps us safe okay let's start from the beginning we wait in hope for the lord he helps us he's like a shield that keeps us safe you guys getting this mm, yeah yeah good job yeah now where's your heart our hearts right there yeah our hearts are full of joy smile real big pretend you have some dimples because of him. Okay, let's start at the beginning. We have just a little bit more to add, but I want to hear you say the words as we do the motions. That's where it gets tricky, right? We wait in in hope for the the Lord. Lord. He helps us. us. He's like like a shield that keeps keeps us safe. safe. Our hearts are are full full of joy because of him. him. Okay, so when you think a trusting thought, hmm. you use your mind, right? There. We think, or we trust in Him. This is sign language for Him, because He is holy. Huh. So we trust in Him because, because He is, is holy. holy. Okay, let's see if we can do it all from the top. We can, okay, yes, we can I think do we this. got it. You yes. guys got it. Okay, <laughs> we wait in hope for the Lord. He helps us. Our hearts are full of joy because of him. We trust in him because he is holy. Grab the shield. Oh, it okay. was a test. It was, you all passed. Man, okay, let's do it one more time. Sorry, guys. A plus. <laughs> a pluses for all of you. <laughs> one more time from the top, yeah? yeah. Okay. We, we wait. wait in, in hope. hope for the lord he, he helps, helps us he's, he's like, like a shield, shield that keeps us safe our hearts are full of joy, of joy because of him. him we trust in him because yes, he is holy good job now that's psalm 33 20 through 21 good job, good job guys you can have a seat So when I was little, there was a man at our church who every Sunday would stock his pockets full of candy. We called him the candy man. Appropriate, (laughs) right? Now, if we could come and tell him the Bible verse that we learned that morning, he'd give us a piece of candy, which was awesome. I learned lots of verses that way. Now, I'm not going to do it this Sunday, but if next Sunday you can come to me and tell me your Bible verse, this Bible verse, Psalm 30, 20 through 21, I'm going to have a big bag of candy, and I'd love to let you pick a piece out, because I think it's really important to learn verses that help us make good decisions, and this verse will help us remember what David taught us, that we can wait for the Lord, even if it takes a long time, we have to wait till later now and later. Psalm mm. so, um, 33, 23, 21. Also in your bulletin, you'll see this piece of paper. It has the verse and the motions written on it. So if when you get home, you tack it to your refrigerator uh, and review it throughout the course of the week, I'll bet you, you'll all learn it. And remember next time it's hard to wait that David gives us some pretty good words of wisdom. Yes, it does. Thanks guys. Amen.